and welcome to Hello Human, a podcast to explore ideas and feature humans working in AI and technology. Beatrice Zortaska, CEO and co-founder of Smart Tribe, join us today on the Hello Human podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in artificial intelligence and how it's being applied in the real world. I'm John Nisley, the host of Hello Human and a longtime technologist working at the intersection of business and IT. A big thanks to Fortress IQ for sponsoring the program and be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is part of a special series on women in AI that we're very excited about here at Fortress IQ. And Elizabeth Middleman from our marketing team who's been driving the program is participating in the session as well. On this episode, we're going to explore building high impact networks and developing a strong network is a critical factor in long-term professional success and probably even more important in today's hyper-connected world. Smart Tribe is a company that understands the value of a network and has developed an AI-enabled platform to connect academia and industry to help address one another's crucial problems while breaking down silos. So welcome to the program, Beatrice. Thanks for joining us on the Hello Human podcast and participating in our Women in AI series. Before we get into the official sort of professional discussion, I've got to start here. I understand that you've lived in 20 countries and speak seven languages, This is absolutely fascinating to me, especially as an American who has lived in one country and speaks one language, which probably reinforces a lot of the stereotypes and biases out there that we need AI to eliminate. You know, but just to to get us going, can you share one or two stories from your unique and varied background to give us some insight into your worldview? Pleasure to be here, John. Thank you for, for inviting me. You know, when you learn the first three languages, then it just gets easier. That's my first advice. But now, seriously, I think my my background, um, it explains a lot. I'm half French, half Polish, and I grew up in different countries. My family moved around. So when you have a very international family, as a child, you learn at the same time different languages. And then as an adult in my professional career, I was a management consultant. I started traveling for work, and I started moving around the world. So living in different places is the normal for me. That's how I see things. And probably this is my approach to life. You know, sky is the limit. Every place is my place. And every every person in this world, you know, doesn't matter if you are in San Francisco, Seattle, or Shenzhen. I've been there probably, and I know someone there. So I feel comfortable around. That's great. And obviously that experience of moving around, you know, sort of leads a bit into this issue of building, you know, networks that are helpful for you. And, you know, when you do move around a lot, you know, end up needing to rely on different groups of people and different people at times. You know, looking at this issue of networks and, and the importance of them, there was a Harvard Business Review article that I saw recently, and I'll be sure to add it into the show notes about how leaders create news networks. And it notes a few different variety of networks and breaks them down into operational and personal and strategic networks. Is that a good framework for thinking about networking or do you have a different model that works for you? It's interesting. I don't think I'm actually super expert in networks. We use the network tool currently, but before we became network, we experimented with very different models. It's just the network suddenly clicked with our users and totally exploded literally overnight. We really tried different models to build collaboration between institutions, a recruitment platform, anything, a marketplace. But only when the individual connections were introduced on Smart Tribe, 
everybody started loving it. So the network uh, as a building, as a platform is for me something new as well. But, you know, I think we, we know how to network as people right from the beginning of our lives. This is art of networking. When we are children, we find friends as a networking. Then we are as a, adults, we find partners through life, build families, that's networking as well. And then we're building career networks and friendships and, and so on. So we, we're networking through life all, all the time. What I see currently, the, the network effects and the, the power of networks is wonderful. I love networks because it's all about the connecting with connection between people. But what we've noticed is that we have some amazing networks built like Facebook, LinkedIn, but I think the next generation and the future of networks is going to be more than that. What we are focusing more is on the building high-powered or impactful networks is to be more focused. So it's dedicated for a specific group of people or professional within the science and technology space. Um, also, what we've noticed is that people want more from networks rather than just ad hoc connections. They want some developed, tangible, long-lasting relationships. They want to do things. And we see the crossover with networks and building a place for people to work on networks, to create teams, to learn, to teach. So I think the networks as they are right now will change over the next few years and, and will transform into a future of work, future of talent, and so on. I, I really like that idea that, you know, sort of everybody has this natural ability to network, you know, too often it's, you know, you, you get this idea that it's only the, the very outgoing people that can successfully build a network, but it's, it's really that combination of, of, of will and skill to do it. And I also like the idea of sort of the, an impactful network that can really drive, you know, benefit your career and your work and your business versus just sort of the everyday, you know, Facebook and LinkedIn and those those other sort of tools out there, sort of the more specialized network, I guess you could, you could call it. You know, it probably sounds a little cliche to say, oh, it's never too late to start building your network. But, you know, what do you see as the, the key steps for creating, you know, this high impact network? You know, what's what's the roadmap look like? You know, do you have some some best practices that, that you can share with the with the audience? For me personally, it's really easy to network because I'm extrovert. I like people. I'm curious and I'm very social. However, our community on Smart Drive, which are majority are academics or people or scientists working for in for companies, are usually introverts. For them, it's very very difficult to network. So we're trying to make it easier for them and creating a space where they feel comfortable and safe. It's very very important. Interestingly, many of our scientists don't even have a LinkedIn account because they feel overwhelmed with the noise and the size of it. But joining Smart Drive, they very often they say, well, we're not just joining a platform, we're joining a movement, a mission. This is our place. We feel comfortable here. We know that nobody will judge us. I think this is very important to build safe environment for the users and also empowering them with using this platform for what they want. So we work very closely with, with our community and we learn from them how to build the network for them. That's perfect. And, and you started to talk a bit about your current work at, at Smart Tribe. You know, can you sort of expand on that a little bit and sort of give us a primer about you know, what exactly Smart Tribe is and, and the role that AI and technology plays into the platform? Smart, Smart Tribe, it's a, it's a community 
of uh, connecting academics, scientists, and the rest of the world. We basically built something which was long outstanding and very much needed. Scientists really need a place where they can communicate and express in a plain English what they are working on and how this is important and how they can make difference. Right now, we are connecting scientists and industry people for different kinds of reasons. Either they are looking for advice how to transition to industry, companies looking for new tech, people are building companies together, very often looking for co-founders, all kinds of reasons. Uh, you know, there is this communication between industry and scientists, especially now, we're so much needed. And we recognize during the COVID time how much science makes positive impact on our lives and how much is needed and focusing more on solving the good problems, the real problems we have in healthcare, education, policy change, and so on, climate change. So that's what we're doing. We're doing this as a network right now. However, I think we are moving more towards a building and and also a marketplace where people can work, learn, and teach. I love this idea of of connecting these different audiences together. And and I'd like to go a bit deeper into this connection between, you know, science and, and academia and sort of, you know, that, you know, bringing those platforms together. You know, much of my graduate work was in technology transfer programs and commercialization from higher education institutions. Um, So I've got my own perspective. But, you know, I think academia too often gets a bad rap in terms of innovation. You know, people think it's too much science fiction and, you know, ideas take too long to bring to market. You know, the, the participants, the stakeholders are more interested in staying in the lab. You know, what's what's your take on the potential role of higher education and academia and, and the science community, you know, that it can play in in spurring company growth? You're absolutely right. It is a very complex system and very old system right now of transitioning the scientific research and scientists into industry. And very often they don't have a choice. About 80% of academics have to move out of the university because there's simply not enough space for them. So they have to find place somewhere else, which is in industry. Either build their own companies or work for other companies. So that's, that's the need. They have to do it. But also with you know, the very complex of technology transfer, uh, researchers are not motivated to do it. 75% or so of the royalties stay with universities. It's very bureaucratic, long and legally complex process. And the new generation, the, I'm sorry, new generation, the more and more scientists right now, they really want to have more impact on the what's happening around them around the world. You know, why are you becoming scientists? Because you take the oath to make the world better, right? That's why you, you know, apart from, the, apart from the fact that you are very interested in talking what you're doing, but also you want to have a, make an impact. I don't know if you are aware, you know, in, in the UK, there's a one very extreme uh, environmentalist group called Extension Rebellion. They used to put, you know, London on hold for many days and stop the traffic. They pour blood over each other and chain themselves to uh, office buildings. 70% of the members are scientists because they are taking to the street, making people aware about the problems with climate change. They've been talking to, to politicians and people in industry for many years and nobody listens to them. They need a place to communicate better. So I think that, yes, there is perception of scientists. They just want to focus on their science, but there is a, there is a absolutely need to better understand and better communicate with them. You know, the way how they communicate with industry right now 
it's really complex because it's only through research papers and nobody can read that, right? But I also truly believe that if we have more of scientists in companies, we will be forced to focus more on things which matter and we will be building companies which will be focusing on things which are important and solving real-world problems rather than building companies which create more problems. And that obviously points to this this need to have the right tools in place to allow these different communities to to talk back and forth and effectively you know communicate together. You know, backing up from the specific category that you're tackling, you know, as a builder of a modern AI company, there are a lot of extra and unique considerations that you have to tackle. Fortress IQ CEO Pankaj Chowdhury recognizes this highly and is very focused on on doing the right thing. You know, our mission specifically talks about unlocking the the limitless potential of the global workforce by accelerating the responsible and ethical use of AI in the enterprise. You know, again, as a, as a builder of a modern AI company, how do you think about and tackle these issues of, of trust and transparency, even when industry regulations and standards, you know, don't necessarily require you to address it at this point? It's a typical situation when a technology is ahead of the regulations and everybody else, and we just let it go. And right now, the world of AI and companies is absolutely out of control and a super important issue which needs to be addressed. And probably by the industry itself, we have to be self-regulated. Um, super important, complex problem, especially we are so advanced in creating so many problems uh, came out, out of AI, which is wonderful. Yes, our, our, our whole network is built on AI be- behind the nice slick platform. Everything is, you know, we are matching, recommending people to each other. We... We learn every single day what they are doing, what they are clicking, what they are talking about. And every day we're getting better and better at our knowledge. We are harvesting from all this exchange between people in science technology. We're getting more and more clever, but we have to be responsible about what we are doing. So I do believe that you know, big companies and new companies coming to the market in AI should have good leaders who take the responsibility of building ethical AI companies, which means being transparent with the users, honest, have integrity, not manipulating, and also even giving control to the users of the algorithms. Thank you so much, John and Beatrice. I would like to take a moment to explore a bit more about your entrepreneurial journey. What inspired you to pursue Smart Tribe and how did your earlier roles influence your decision to start the company? I mentioned earlier, we talked with John about my international life and experience and background. This is exactly my inspiration for Smart Tribe came from. You know, I have for the past 20 years, I have traveled the world hunting for scientific research and scientists and and help them to solve companies' problems with it. And I've seen a wealth of talent and tech coming from scientific research, but absolutely untapped. And it's such a shame. You know, less than 2% of current world technologies come from scientific research. What about the rest? I mean, 70%, yes, it's so far-fetched. It should not be even, you know, we should not look at it right now. But what about the rest? What even if 1% 
you know, we untap, what a difference it makes. And I've seen in so many places around the world, you know, I lived in China, in Russia, in Africa, I lived in California, everywhere in Europe, and I've seen amazing solutions and people, but I was just, you know, finding them and through my personal network and commun- and introducing them to companies. So my in- idea was, why don't we just build a platform and scale it, what I was doing manually. So this was my inspiration, the frustration that there is so much waste coming from, from academia. And at the same time, industry companies spent trillions of dollars on reinventing the wheel in R&D because of the lack of sharing knowledge and reaching up to ready solutions in academia. So this was my inspiration to, to solve the problem. Also the access to higher education. I think it's a high time we challenge that to, to take on academia. And at the same time, academics want to do it. They're coming to us and say, well, why do I have to stick to one university? Why cannot I just, just teach more people? Why cannot use the digital tools and, tools and do it? So we are thinking to develop that too. We have a people coming from just general public and asking us questions. For example, we had a very interesting group of people with Parkinson's disease who are aware of the fact that they can stop their symptoms if they reach out for for different ways of, of healing, like diet, exercises. But they, when they go to doctors, they're only giving them pills. But the latest scientific research shows them something different. So we are the only place where they can talk to those scientists directly. So all of those inspirations, you know, having reach to science and untap what is there, unleash that science was my inspiration. And at the same time, I helped to build two other machine learning startups previously. So I have this good experience. So I'm thinking I'm really well equipped with good ammunition to build that company. It's amazing to see the power of your network, your international experiences, your work experience, and of course, your passion for science being the drive to start this. And, you know, as a woman, strong leaders and entrepreneurs like yourself are showing us the power of women in business, technology, and other sectors. So when looking at the next generation of women in AI and tech, what advice can you give? It really depends where you are in the world, right? In some places in the world, if you want to be a scientist, woman scientist, you can be shot in the head still, right? And that's one of the things which I still pains me and it's my personal goal to change that and to support those women in those places in developing markets. But in the developed world, we are very fortunate and we came really a long way in the short space of time and things change in the business and tech world. I, I remember some years ago, still walking into the room full of 40 men, engineers, grueling me for, for three hours, questioning because I was a young consultant and a woman, the only in the room. And I'm thinking, oh, this is how hell mine looks like. But, uh, you know, things change really, really fast. Uh, and now we are we are much more easy have access to it. So um, that's one thing. But my, my, I have supposed to three things I would, I would give advice to a future generation of women in tech and in AI or, or in leaders. Uh, don't expect, don't ask to be treated differently because you are a woman. Uh, I think this, uh, 
I do want to be judged uh, for, for my performance, for my skills, knowledge, or if I screwed up something, I want to be taken responsible for that. Not because I'm a woman, but because I'm a professional. So we should not be treated differently. That's, that's the first thing. Other thing, you know, thinking about younger generation, it's very important because I agree there's not enough women in tech, in AI, in, in, a, in a leadership position, not because we don't have access to it, because there's just not enough women right now in the professional business world. So we should encourage women who are coming to, to the professional career that it's, that, and give them the opportunity and the right environment to pursue that careers, you know, it also depends on different countries. I grew up in Scandinavia where women are very, very, have a good life, you know, cover maternity leave in the UK. It's just impossible, very, very hard to continue career and have family. So it really depends as well. And the third thing, if you are a woman in the business or tech, support other women. I do love the comrade feeling of women supporting each other. I'm part of a few fantastic networks, actually, in, in California, women who tech and ladies who lunch, lunch as a companies. And I just love it. We really help each other. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nice, friendly environment. And any woman who comes to me always, you know, find, I always try to help more than to anybody else. That is really, really great advice. And we absolutely should be encouraging and supporting the next generation of women in tech, whether it be joining those external organizations or just sharing stories like yours with them. So thank you for sharing. It's all really great advice. Now, getting back more specifically to Smart Tribe, can you share a few success stories of the connections that you made via the platform? We are still a very young company, less than two years. Uh, but if we would have to end tomorrow, God forbid, I would feel like we've done so much and make difference already in different in people's lives. They have some fantastic, fantastic story of people we made out of uh, come out of the connection we made between people. Many of our scientists are part of the teams working on the COVID vaccines. So we are very proud of them and they are absolutely our heroes. The most amazing stories are obviously when, when in the healthcare, when I cannot talk by names, obviously, but we introduce a humble scientist from Scotland who was passionate. It's a, it's a computer scientist, passionate about helping people with dementia to use personal assistance and like Alexa, Siri, all these kind of things. And he was really, he spent years working on the idea how he can improve lives of people with dementia. And we, we introduced him to one of the big tech companies. And now I think in a few years time, we're going to have to see how people with dementia life will improve thanks to that connection. We have helped a fantastic mathematician from Africa to build NGO in United States to build an NGO which is helping to build a huge new sustainable agriculture sector in the United States and teaching uh, people how to eat better, how the farmers in the United States can be in control of the supply chain and so on. So, you know, a lot in, sci in the scientists are care about sustainability, circular economy, climate change, and so on. So a lot of, of the output is exactly that. 
you know, people build already companies together. There's a lot of, for some reason, there's a lot of food scientists, very active. So then we, we, we find people trying, finding solutions, build nutrition companies, uh, organic chain companies, all kinds of things already happen on, on SmartRap. But, you know, those are just few examples, but we see the confidence academics have that they are not scared to go out and talk to industry. They're not going to be uh, laughed at or, or misunderstood. Wow. So SmartTribe is really getting involved in the future of the world, whether it be the COVID vaccine, dementia, sustainability, technology, and just really realizing the power of connections. You should be so proud of all of your work. To wrap up, what does the future hold for SmartTribe? If you could peer into a crystal ball, what's next for the company? And what could the next few years hold? My end goal and a vision is is the holy grail of knowledge. To truly translate the word knowledge, which is hidden in all the scientific papers. And I do believe that we can do this with the help of AI. And those little steps we are taking right now with those academics translating and communicating with industry experts, what they are doing, it's helping us to learn more and more how to translate the rest. I know some people call me crazy, but I truly believe this is possible and only with the, with the help of AI. So this is the end goal, to really unlock what is there. And in the next few years, I really hope that everyone in the tech world will have open smart tribe on either on their phone or on their desktop and will be able to find solutions to their problem thanks to us. That is a great insight and a very inspiring point to end on. You know, hopefully all of us can start traveling the world again soon. I'm sure Beatrice is, is anxious given that she is obviously a very much a global citizen. To recap today's conversation with Beatrice Zatorsky, the CEO and co-founder at Smart Tribe, developing a high impact network is a critical factor in long-term professional success. And even more important in today's hyper-connected world, Networking success requires equal parts will and skill, and an outsized personality is not a requirement. With practice and persistence, really anybody can build and benefit from an impactful network. And Smart Tribe is a company that understands the value of the network and has developed an AI-enabled platform to really break down the silos between industry and academia to help address these crucial problems that we're discussing. This episode has been part of our special series on women in AI, and a big thanks to Elizabeth Middleman for organizing this series and joining the session today. That's a wrap on today's show. Thank you, Beatrice, for joining us and Fortress IQ for sponsoring. I'm John Nisley, and this has been Hello Human. If you enjoyed this session, subscribe and check out our series at fortressiq.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for joining us today on Hello Human.